the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The world is a complicated place. You need someone to expose the political fakers, fixers, and takers, and to cut through the mindless chatter and misdirection to help you make sense of it all. That person is Dan Proft, and this is The Dan Proft Show. Welcome back to The Dan Proft Show, and... uh um, I should make mention that you can follow DanProftShow.com. You get podcasts there as you can on Spotify and iTunes and on social media at DanProft and at DanProftShow. Michael Warren Davis uh, writing over at uh, TheAmericanConservative.com says Republicans have uh, a death drive, an unconscious yet irresistible tendency towards self-destruction, and they have it bad. What does he mean by that exactly? Well, let's explore Michael Warren Davis, former editor of Crisis Magazine, author of the forthcoming The Reactionary Mind, joins us now. M.W. Davis, thanks for being with us again. Appreciate it. Oh, you keep having me back on. It's a, it's a great act of charity, and I'm grateful for it. <laughs> well, I'm a little concerned about you, actually, because you're invoking Freud, and, um, and, and that <laughs> makes me think you may have the death drive you're describing. <laughs> I studied psychoanalysis in college. So I have all of this uh, Freudian junk in, stuck in my brain. I have to use it sometimes or <laughs> I can't justify the huge tuition bill. So I, I agree <laughs> that Republicans have a bit of this death drive that you're describing, but perhaps not in um, the same way that you do. Uh, I'll let you start. Describe what you mean. Yeah, well, uh, as I mentioned in the article, um, you know, the voter fraud thing is really nothing new. Uh, in 2012, uh, Mitt Romney allegedly got zero votes in almost 60 precincts in, in Philadelphia, which is absolutely unbelievable. It's literally unbelievable. He, he, he certainly got at least one vote. Um, but no one really made a big deal about it in 2012. I was, I was kind of baffled. I worked for the Republican Party at the time. And, but, uh, but, you know, Mitt Romney, the nice guy that he is, he refused to, he refused to talk about it. Um, the only person who actually mentioned it that I saw was David Frum, who now laughs at everyone who thinks that there was any uh, <laughs> any funny business in the 2020 election. But we'll let that sit. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, well, but, 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 but it was but it was a it was a different Republican Party. And Mitt Romney had a very different constituency, which is why Mitt Romney lost. Well, sure, that's that's certainly true. And it wasn't uh, you know, it, it, it wouldn't have swung the election in, in all fairness. Um but you would hope that a, a sense of justice, at the very least, a, a desire not to be defrauded, would have led conservatives to, to, to kick up at least a bit of a fit about it. But they didn't. So 2020 rolls around, and uh, and you know we, we see that there is at least you know substantial voter fraud. Again, we don't we don't know if it was enough to swing the election. Uh, the Trump campaign didn't make that case very well, um, but we know that there was lots of that there was a considerable amount of voter fraud. So as I say in the article, you know, it would have been the easiest thing in the world to just, you know, say that for Republicans to crack down and say, these are the, the states where we saw the, the most fraud happen. Um, we see that, uh, that, you know, for instance, mail-in ballots uh, were, you know, were facilitating uh, fraudulent, ba- uh, fraudulent votes more than in-person voting. So we need to change the system. We need to pass laws, both at the federal and the state level, um, 
that will prevent anything like this of the sort happening ever again. Um, that would have been, again, very easy, very sensible. Um, but of course, that's not what conservatives did. They immediately um, flooded to, you know, Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood with their insane conspiracy theories about, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton and George Soros teaming up with Xi Jinping and and the ghost of Hugo Chavez to to rig <laughs> Dominion voting systems. It was it, not only was it yeah. unnecessary, it was totally counterproductive, and it really I'm sure that it set the anti fraud movement back another four to eight years at least. Well, you know, I, I look, I, I agree with a, a lot of that, actually. And I also agree with your description of uh, the Kelly Loeffler Senate race, which is like a classic case of uh, how not to win an election in terms of how she uh, tackled uh, Ralph Warnock. I mean, because you know, Kelly Loeffler, uh, she, I'm sure she's a perfectly nice person, but she was a cardboard cutout human as a candidate, which we see a lot in Republican ranks. You know, the matter, the quality of the candidate matters, too, that that was, has been lost in the postmortem on Georgia. But something else, though, that I think uh, why Republicans have a bit of a death drive and we're seeing it play out right now doesn't mean they have to stay on this trajectory. But, you know, the flurry of executive orders that uh, Joe Biden issued, one that has gotten almost no attention from Republicans other than in a pro forma way is Biden ending up the policy that prohibits federal funds from going to foreign aid groups that perform abortions or provide other related services. This is something that uh, President Trump moved on. 200 House Republicans signed on to a pledge to oppose the budget bill that eliminates the Hyde Amendment, uh, a measure that pre- pre- prevents federal funding from being used on abortion services. So they, they, they did their checkbox on their uh, their their uh, rhetorical position of being pro-life. By the way, one of the 200 was not Adam Kinzinger, who voted to impeach President Trump. Uh, it was not Adam Kinzinger from Illinois, who is spending all his time uh, decrying uh, Major, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia because of her tweets and so forth. So, you know, the, the, the Republican death drive, I think we need to understand who is responsible for the current trajectory and what is the path uh, to change or, you know, what is the basis on which we change the trajectory? Because the Republican Party doesn't make arguments. Conservatives don't make arguments. They take positions. And that's a very different thing. Uh, and and you have uh, those who are uh, so, sort of learn none of the lessons from the Trump years other than that he his personality was off putting that are you know spending all their time uh, focusing on uh, real or perceived enemies inside the perimeter. You know, on election night, uh, Senator Josh Hawley tweeted something to the effect of, um, you know, the Republican Party is a working class party now. That is our future. And he's right. I mean, to the extent that if the Republican Party has a future, it is as a working class party, meaning that it is a party that appeals to the needs of the working class. Um, If it doesn't do that, then there is no electoral future for the GOP. Uh, and from what we've seen, I mean, with, within a couple weeks of that tweet being sent out, you, you, put, you mentioned Kelly Loeffler. Um, within a couple of weeks, the half of, at least half of the GOP immediately forgot all the lessons of the Trump years and reverted to that old business class country club Romneyism. Uh, and and uh, it's very, it's totally unsurprising that not only did the, the GOP lose the rather significant gains that it made with uh, with with lower income and minority voters, um, but it you know it lost it lost crucial elections. Uh, it gave the Senate back to the Democrats. 
a totally unnecessary self goal. Uh, I, I don't I, I don't know what to say beyond that. I, it, it's it, it has to be a death drive because there is nothing that would otherwise compel Republicans to go so far out of their way to lose elections, to lose the gains that they made in 2020. Maybe it is just a matter of of uh, somebody, people in leadership. I mean, that's, sort of, I guess, where you have to start, people that have the biggest platforms to say, um, we need to be held to account and hold ourselves to account for the positions we take. And that means going out and making the case for those positions to bring people along, to create a constituency for those issues. If this is just a, about a virtue signaling from a Republican or conservative ranks, then guess what? We are going to be on the losing end of that battle over who is the best at virtue signaling to constituencies. Yeah, I mean, the Republican Party is full of grifters. Um, Marco Rubio, I don't know if you remember this. It was such a it was such a blip. Um, a couple of years ago, he started writing these essays and first things and giving speeches at Catholic University. Common good capitalism. Right, exactly. Common good capitalism. And uh, everyone, you know, all the conservative pundits that sort of came of age during Trump and were part of this big, um, you know, working party thing, they, they all went nuts. They loved it. And they were, they were tweeting about how Marco Rubio was the future of the party, et cetera, et cetera. And then Mitch McConnell gave him a seat on the, uh, the Senate. He made him the head of the Intelligence Committee. And, uh, and then Marco Rubio forgot all about this commentary capitalism and just went back to being a, a party hack. Um, you know, I I have I still have pretty high hopes for Josh Hawley. I I was baffled that he uh, that he gave that fist pump to the the rioters outside the Capitol. I thought that was a a very bad move. But um, the, the the incredibly disproportionate response from the punditry, getting his book deal canceled, which was good for my publisher, Regbury, they picked it up. But getting his book <laughs> deal canceled, getting him kicked off of his platforms. Um, that was that was a gross overreaction, but I think that that's because if you know if if Trump if intellectual Trumpism I guess if if uh, if the, if if serious policy driven principle based uh, populism nationalism whatever you want to call it if that has a future Josh Hawley has to be a part of it um, and so as the as the Republican field scrambles to to find a new leader uh, and Hawley kind of emerges as the, the I guess for now the best leader that we have for that populist traction. Um, of course, they were they were going to do everything they could to, to paint him as a fascist and, uh, and to shut him down. And, uh, and that's what we've seen. So we're stuck between the grifters um, like Rubio, the automatic reverts, the crypto Romneyites like Loeffler and McConnell. And uh, and then the, the you know, the, I think the true believers who are, you know, who are going to be facing the biggest uphill battle of their lives over the next four years. He is Michael Warren Davis, former editor of Crisis Magazine, author of the forthcoming book, The Reactionary Mind. M.W. Davis, thanks so much for joining us again. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, sir. Grab a good seat and sharpen your pencils. Class is in session with Professor Dan Proft and The Dan Proft Show.